thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audra Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we faced whilst working 24-7. Today's topic is all about psychotherapy and weight management, which is going to be a fascinating podcast for anyone who has ever struggled with their weight. And to talk more about this really important topic, I've got Kate Rains from Regional Victoria as our guest speaker today. Kate is a mum to three boys who loves to exercise, having run marathons all around the world. She's from a large family, being one of 15 children, and has spent many years living in the United States before returning to Australia. Kate is a psychotherapist specialising in weight management and has over 20 years' experience in psychotherapy, working with both individuals and small groups. So to tell us more about psychotherapy and weight management, I'd like to give a warm, healthy shift worker welcome to Kate. Oh, thank you, Audra. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, it's lovely to have you on the show. Welcome, welcome. And uh, yeah. so, Kate, we first met at the Wellness Summit in Melbourne last year, and mm-hmm. I was really fascinated by what you were doing because I think your approach to weight management will be a perfect complement to my own studies in nutrition. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I'm so I'm. I'm looking forward to chatting with you because weight gain and weight fluctuations are so prevalent for those working 24-7 and I'm really interested to hear your perspective that is from the point of view of a psychotherapist because there's so many different approaches to weight loss. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely, Audra. And I think especially for your shift workers that you're working with, um, it's really hard for them in particular. I mean, it can be hard for anybody. But as a shift worker, as you know, you know, you're going against your body's clock, your body natural rhythms. It is extremely hard. That doesn't mean it's not impossible. It's just extremely hard. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that, that last bit's music to their ears, I think, that it doesn't mean that it's impossible. So oh, that's no, great. No. Yeah, <laughs> that's no, absolutely great. not. Because I guess if I pop in there, Audra, that that the way that I work with, uh, with weight loss, weight management, is it is actually about our self-care. It's how we care for ourselves. And so really, uh, as a shift worker, yes, you have to adjust your self-care to working shifts, And even a nine-to-five person or even somebody who isn't in the workforce, it is still about learning how to care for yourself and your weight is part of your health. And so, yeah, that's that's my take on it. Mm. mm. Yeah, fantastic. Great little bits of um, advice there. So I guess just to kick off the interview, Kate, I'd love to um, for you to tell tell us about yourself. Like, who is Kate Rains? What made you start in psychotherapy? And, and obviously, have you had weight struggles of your own? Oh, okay. Sometimes I go blank when people ask me that. It's like, well, <laughs> hang on, where do I start? Where do I start? Uh, but you did give me a heads up, so I was able to get a little bit of clarity there. First of all, I'd say I'm just a normal person in so many ways. I'm, I am st- I always start with I'm a mother. I'm a mother to three boys, but actually they're men now. Um, I'm Grandma Kate to three absolutely beautiful, adorable grandchildren. Um, I'm a sister, as you mentioned earlier, I'm a sister to 14 siblings. 
I'm a friend and some of my friendships go way back to grade three. Um, and, of course, I'm a colleague to other professional therapists. And then, yes, in my working life, I'm a psychotherapist. Uh, but I guess the biggest part of who am I and the relevance of who I am today is being one of 15 children and the impact that my upbringing has had on me um, and my life. And these days, it's really personally and professionally. Um, and as I mentioned in my webinars, as part of my story, I have a history of sexual abuse. And this has had a massive impact on all my relationships and my relationship with food, of course. Uh, but it's been through my journey of healing the impact of that abuse that's actually led me to my work as a psychotherapist and now using that to work with weight management. Um, because it was some 25 years ago when I was living in the, in the States with my family, I studied massage therapy. And we were taught this from a psychological approach as well as anatomy and physiology. And we were very much learning that each person holds their life experiences within their bodies and their minds, not just their minds, which often we think of as their brain, but also in their bodies. And Audra, I have struggled with my weight and my body image um, all my life. I've always felt fat. And I look back now even to photos and and different times in my life when I thought I was fat. And, you know, I actually wasn't. But I was carrying a fair bit of emotional weight. And that has a really big impact on our body weight and, and how we feel about ourselves. Um, so do you want me to keep going here? I'm sort of... Yeah, no, 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 that's fine, yeah. Kate. Keep going. Okay. Okay, so it was about 10 years ago that I began to realise that my struggle with weight, that I made the connection that my emotional eating uh, was actually a result of my early trauma and that I had tried every single diet from when I was 18 years of age and as you, as you mentioned earlier to running marathons, I, I tried everything but I still had I still couldn't actually get the body feelings that I wanted or even the body shape that I wanted. And really at that stage, I was also, like most people, I relied on other people to tell me what to eat and how to move. Because as far as I knew then, that was the only way I was going to get and keep the body style that I dreamed of, even though now I look back and, of course, that was impossible. So by the time I was close to 50 and not getting the results that I wanted, I finally began to be curious and open up my thinking about what is it that weight is really about. And also, Audra, if we look back, there really wasn't a lot about a lot of recognition about emotional eating, you know, mm -hmm. even five to 10 years ago. It really has only been recently that even that name, I think, you know, the words emotional eating. Um, has sort of come about. Uh, but, yeah, so um, I, I'm really concerned about sort of raving here and I don't want to do that. But I finally began to be curious and open up my thinking about what what's my weight really about. And I had been in therapy for some years with a somatic psychotherapist myself and I was I was healed well enough with my abuse to be able then to explore more deeply my emotional eating habits. And um, and that's what sort of led me to where I am now, really. Um, wow. 
so that it really so that our early life and the emotional weight that we that we carry around even if we're not conscious of it it really does have a big impact on our physical weight mm well I guess it's a, it's an absolute credit to yourself, though, Kate, that you've recognised, um, you've sort of put all the pieces together because you've obviously gone through quite a lot of turmoil over, you know, quite a few years and you're sort of managing to put the pieces together and um, and obviously the, you've then been able to teach that through working with your clients. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And I really do think that is one of the strengths is... Mm. Understanding my clients that not everybody has a background like mine, but we all have early trauma in some some shape or form. Some of it more serious than others, um, but that uh, you know until we're able to get to a stage in our lives to resolve that and really work with that early trauma, it does have a massive impact on. Um, if we're talking emotional eating today, but it actually has a massive impact on all our relationships mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I've healed myself well enough, always a work in progress. I've healed myself well enough to now be able to uh, to help others on that journey as well. Mm, well that's great. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I guess that, that leads me on to the next question I was going to ask you, Kate. Can you explain to our listeners what exactly is psychotherapy? So from a newcomer's perspective who may have never even heard of the word, what, what type of help do you provide to your patients? What's actually yeah. involved? Um, well, for psychotherapy is uh, what we do is we establish what we call a therapeutic relationship to support and help people resolve their life difficulties. And that psychotherapy aims for a deeper structural change within the personality because people's problems have a theme and a habit of being repetitive. It's like the same issues arise time and time again in different contexts and different relationships. So I help people to understand themselves better and what they are doing that gets them into these same long-standing patterns of behaviour. Um, and, yeah, I work in a way that, that helps people become more conscious of what they can't see themselves and that they can go beyond where they can take themselves. Um, we all have unconscious parts of us that need understanding and healing. That's part of being a a human being. Mm. Uh, And we often need other people to help us see our unconscious parts. None of us can know what we don't know sort of thing. yeah, so that's so that's what I do. I help people bring about long-lasting change. And um, it's not a Band-Aid fix, as you can hear. These <laughs> don't happen in a hurry. Mm. And this is where the deeper structural long-lasting change comes in. Um, and, yes, that's, that's what I do. Mm, fantastic. I guess um, – when you're saying, you know, people can sort of become a bit dis- disconnected, I guess for most people, we're just in this survival mode, aren't we? We're, we're just in this um, a, a sympathetic adrenaline pumping mode, continually on survival mode, that we become disconnected with our environment, our relationships and our body, that we don't kind of sit and really stop and think, you know, and look at the bigger picture as to, to what's going on. Would you agree with that? Oh, I would agree with you 100%. Mm. And this is one of the biggest issues. I'm going to say um, high stress, but tiredness is one of the biggest issues for emotional eating. Mm. And what I see with clients is that lots of people are not are not always aware of how tired they are. And that might sound silly. Um, let me explain a little bit. 
when we're stressed, be it really current stress or a deeper underlying unconscious stress that's been there for a long time, Audra, we carry with us a level of exhaustion. But many of us operate without even knowing that. And it actually allows us to operate at a fairly high level. Um, and I'm going to really generalise here. The shift workers I've worked with over the years have been very good at looking after others in all sorts of ways and walks of life. However, by the time it comes to look after themselves, they're, they're depleted emotionally, physically, nutritionally, and therefore spiritually. And when any of us get depleted in those parts of ourselves, but especially emotionally, we lose an ability to think clearly about our self-care and we actually regress. We become childlike in our needs. Not that we know that. Mm. Cover that up with the bravado of I don't need anyone. I'm coping. I'm fine. But um, but often there's a silent part screaming out to be cared for in how they care for others. And Audra, it's when we're emotionally starving, when we are so tired and we're depleted, that's when we feed ourselves comfort food. And so the psychotherapy work we do is to help people know and understand why they are emotionally starving, why they're so tired, why they're so... It's like being burnt out in a way, mm. but, but people don't necessarily know that. Now, I'm not sure if I've answered your question there at all. Um, yeah, no, that's no, that's great um, because the, I guess the reason why, you know, I invited you onto this podcast, I may have mentioned before, is that one of the biggest struggles shift workers experience is weight gain and weight fluctuations, yeah. um, you know, mostly throughout, uh, you know, our career in, in various different forms. From yeah. my perspective as a nutritional medicine student, these ongoing struggles can be from a number of reasons, particularly when we're looking at the body's biochemistry as sleep deprivation causes the body to pump high levels of stress hormones around the body, making it difficult to manage our glucose levels. Yep. Um, this long-term yep. glucose intolerance or insulin insensitivity can predispose some people to some of the abnormalities of metabolic syndrome, such as yep. vesicle uh, obesity, which is, I guess, the fancy term for fat around the, ba the belly. Yes. And this um, lack of sleep also disrupts our metabolism and some of the hormones which regulate our intake of food, which obviously does play a huge role in in you know our body weight as well, but I guess yeah, what fascinates me is the the emotional or psychology side of eating because you know yes, there's a biochemistry side, but that also the emotional it must be a big driver for many people, particularly if their job is stressful or if they've got a lot going on in their life. Um, yeah, so I guess I was yeah, just wanting you to expand a little bit on that area of psychotherapy. Uh, absolutely, Audrey, because what you're talking about is when people are, are operating at that level of stress, um, it affects their thinking and their feeling. And so, yes, their, their body is not going to function in a really, what I'm going to say, efficient way. Um, and neither will their thinking and feeling because they're living in this survival place, um, you know, day in, day out. And it's like being, it's like those little mice on the treadmills. It's <laughs> hard to actually get off that when you're in a survival place, mm. Um, and so the psychotherapy work that I do, it actually, I help people interrupt that 
thinking cycle. So if you think of the little treadmill that the mice go around, um, I'm like the person who who puts the finger there and goes, now hang on a minute, is this really what's good for these for these little mice? What's going on? You know, let's take a moment, let's sort of breathe. Let's what's really happening inside your body right now. And um, so yes, I I guess what I do is not I guess what I do, but what I <laughs> try and do it in sort of a gentle way is I challenge people, but I help people to learn how to care for themselves. Even if that treadmill is going around and around, I actually help people think about their self-care because a lot of the time they're going at this pace and if they're, as you say, their metabolism, all the chemicals that have just, all the natural body chemicals that are floating around in their body, and I don't have all the language for them like you do, but that affects their thinking and their feeling. Mm. And so I help I help to interrupt that space and uh, and just get people thinking about, well, gee, is there anything else that we could do here? Is there, you know, I wonder why you keep going at that pace. And it's not about not being a shift worker, but let's introduce a little bit of something else as well. Mm. And so, yeah, I help people get to know themselves and work out why, as I said, why they're emotionally starving. But, you know, um, just give them something else to to think about. But we often need someone to, in, as I said, we often need someone to interrupt that cycle that that we're in um we might want to do it ourselves but we can't necessarily do it ourselves and it can be obviously a lot harder to do it on our own too i I guess that's what's the beauty about having a a coach or a mentor to to help keep you on track oh absolutely Mm. absolutely it's an aspect of accountability but it's also a, a place where people can come and empty out their stress people can come and um, I'm offload, empty out. Um, I could use other words, but but I won't on this podcast. No. But just get rid of. Well, not actually get rid of, but empty out because we can't get rid of all the emotional stuff that's that's in our minds or our past. We can't actually get rid of it, but we can learn how to manage uh, our stress and our emotional weight. We can learn how to manage it differently and it eases over time. So, yes, it is a great a great place to come to have an opportunity to change your thinking. But often somebody else has to interrupt and, and challenge you on your thinking before you can change it. Mm, I love that. Oh, I could sit and, and hear you talk for hours. Yeah. <laughs> Kate, you're, yeah, you're on You might my... have to interrupt me. Sometimes <laughs> when I'm talking, I feel a bit like the mouse on the treadmill. I'll come so in and wha- to inter- feel yeah. free to interrupt me if you need I'll to. I'll come in and whack on the stop button yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. you'll go flying off the treadmill. <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's just a really fascinating topic. So, um, yeah. So is there one particular psychotherapy technique that you've noticed in your clients which has reaped the best benefits in overcoming some of the emotional sides of overeating? Uh, uh, Actually, two things come to mind because what I know is that the main... The main uh, foundation, what I call foundation that I that I teach people and that I think is just paramount to all of us, actually, regardless of our weight, that can't happen without the first one. And the first one I'm going to say, which is therapeutic support, is actually um, without the therapy side of the work, 
the next one that I'm going to bring in because they really do go together is planning ahead of time. And I have a, a foundation that I just created without even knowing it years ago for myself called a written, that I call a written daily plan. And what that does is, um, and you have to write it out the night before. And notice I say you have to. Well, that's just a whole other issue. But <laughs> I encourage people to, to write it out the night before. And But what it does is it, it I help people find a way to put their self-care items first on the list. And that as I, if we go back to what we talked about earlier, shift workers and many, many people are very good at looking after others. And, and I have noticed there is a theme in overweight people. Overweight people are very loving and caring for other people, but they actually have not developed that ability for themselves. And uh, so that's where the therapy side of the work comes in. But challenge, but helping people and challenging people, because it is a challenge, to actually find little skills that I teach them to care for themselves first. Um, because, Audra, what I know and, and what I see, but what I know personally is that Losing 10 kilos, it will make you feel happier for a while. However, if you don't learn the basic life, life skills of self-care, the happiness gives way to resentment really quickly and the weight goes back on. So that whether you have a weight problem or not, learning to care for yourself is really what the work is all about. Um, yeah. Mm, not sure if I answered the question. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's fine because we, yeah, it's this whole roller coaster thing that so many people go through. Um, you know, you just want to stop the roller coaster and, and, um, yeah, and finally find a way that you can, your weight can be stable. And, um, and I guess what with what you're doing is, is, you know, helps people to address this sorts of thing, because there's so many diets out there, people go on these short term diets and lose a weight and bang their, you know, they're back on the weight again. Um, But I like how you sort of really address that. Yes, which I think yes. will be really beneficial for for um for your clients. So what's been the biggest lesson you've learned through your practice as a psychotherapist? Oh, I think the biggest lesson Audra would be um that uh, well if I go back to what I said earlier, I just think I'm a really normal person. I just think um and I think I've been really humbled by people's courage to heal. Um that it's really hard work to actually heal the deeper layers of ourselves. It's not easy. and But there, there are people in, in our society, people in life, there's people who uh, probably like me, they know that they've got an inner truth somewhere inside them, but it's not easy to get to. Um, and so I think, yeah, one of the lessons I've learned is that I know something, but I really know nothing. And the more I know, the more I want to know. And the more I know, the more I don't know. And I think I've been really mm-hmm. humbled by, by um, yeah, I think I've been humbled by my own learning. But, yeah, I'm just an ordinary person and we all just sort of bumble along in certain ways. And uh, But it's sort of having the courage to heal, I think, and... Yeah, I think that's what I've learned. Would be one of the biggest things that I've learned. I think you. It sounds like you're, as you say, you're just an ordinary girl, but you're just trying to do something that little bit extraordinary, which is I, definitely yeah. what you've been doing. Yeah, yeah that's lovely. So, what keeps you interested in psychotherapy, then, Kate? Is it that it's the clients or? 
it's um, it's the clients. I guess I, I've felt for many, many years now that I'm living my purpose. I um, I think the the depth of connection that this work allows me to have with people because we can't always get that that deeper connection with people in life. Not everybody wants that and that's cool too. But with doing this work, it does allow for a much deeper connection with people and uh, with myself and, and with clients and then with the friends that I make. Um, uh, the depth of connection and the honour, I think, Audra, to be part of someone's healing process. You know, mm. I get in awe of the blessing to be with someone um, in their healing journey. And um, and these people make me a better person in lots of ways, you know. Mm. They, I just think, I don't think we ever stop. I, I don't think that we arrive. It's a little bit like if we come back to the weight, there isn't actually an arrival point of when I lose 10 kilos, I'm going to be really happy. Society has sort of uh, put that pseudo bits of thinking in, but it's not really true because I even had somebody say to me the other day, I know that even when I lose my weight, I'm not going to be happy if I don't do the underneath work. Oh, and nice. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. region yeah. connection that I get mm. with people. I think that really just, I love it. Absolutely. Mm. Oh, Ooh. That's great. <laughs> I love it too. I love the sound of it. It's just yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. So um, now a little bit of change of topic, I guess. I know when it comes to exercise, Kate, you're a big fan. Having marathons around, having run, sorry, marathons around the world, that just does my head in. Um, yes. <laughs> and although shift workers struggle to find the energy to exercise, which we definitely do, um, can you share some insights on exercise in weight management? Oh, absolutely. And I think especially for shift workers, Audra, especially shift workers who might be beginning this process of, mm. of wanting their lives to be different. Um, I was talking to an exercise physiologist recently and he was telling me about something that he calls exercise snacking. And um, and I and it was around about Christmas time and we all get, you know, we all struggle for time and space at Christmas time. But what he told me was that exercise snacking is better than no exercise at all. And if you think of it, well, what's a snack? Well, a snack is a small meal. It's a small portion. And that five minutes of exercise snacking is better than no minutes of exercise snacking. And I know how tired shift workers can be. And what I work with clients is I, I work with go from here to the letterbox. Do five minutes of your front door to the letterbox, whatever that means for you. Mm. Or, or do five minutes of here to the corner, you know, and back again. Start with five minutes and if you do that a couple of times, a few times a day as a beginning process, then oh, that is just magnificent, absolutely mm. magnificent as far as I'm concerned. And and that's as simple as how I start working with my clients. You know, not if, some people come and they're great at exercise and like me, exercise is not their challenge, but their challenge would be sitting still. And so I, I there's a flip side to exercise as well, Audra, that as we need to be able to move, we also need to be able to learn how to rest consciously. And so oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I teach people also how to sit still for five minutes, which for some of us, that's a real challenge. But again, it's resting snacking. It's exercise snacking 
and resting snacking. Oh, I love those terms. My Aren't goodness. <laughs> wow. What, how clever is that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's great because, because we feel guilty about wanting we, – we sort of um, think that we should be, uh, I guess, pounding the treadmill for, you know, 30 to 40 minutes or so in order yeah. to get, you know, make a difference. And, we you know, we beat ourselves up because we we kind of think, oh, I really can't be bothered. I'm too tired. I can't – I couldn't imagine doing something like that. But as you just said, by doing like tiny little – snacks of exercise it's it's something it's better than nothing and you you know just the psychology of that knowing that you've done something as opposed to nothing absolutely absolutely because if we go back to things you were talking about before that the stress of the stress of shift work sends Mm. off certain chemicals in your body well exercise sends off the good chemicals in your body as well and Mm. so it's give yourself little bits and this is what I really do work with each individual person uh, when I talk about movement or exercise and I call it movement because exercise can be a daunting word like meditation can be a daunting word yeah I use movement and resting and just let's just start little Mm. because that's manageable and you know it's realistic so yeah, so I do. I love that term and I do. I use it now and, and people can resonate with it and it, they don't sort of drown in in this um, this idea, which is not necessarily true, that I've got to do 40 minutes or I've got to do this or I've got to do that. Mm, I love it, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm quite um, – I've always been keen on the term movement too as opposed to exercise because yes. exercise can be kind of like a, a dirty word in the, the vocabulary of a shift worker. It's like, you know, like a pain. <laughs> Yes. But movement yes. is movement's movement. You know, it's what we our bodies are naturally meant to be doing. So yes. that's Absolutely. something. Yeah, that's, that's right. So, so, what's your key key advice, Kate, that you could share with our listeners on overcoming their weight struggles? I missed. I missed the first bit of your question. There, could you just oh, repeat? Yeah, sorry. Up? So, what's your key piece of advice that you could share with our listeners on overcoming their weight struggles? Ah, good question. Um. I guess what I would say is start today. Mm. And even if you feel like, but I started yesterday and then I failed, start again. Just keep starting. Um, that I guess that's one of the things that I love about myself is that I've never given up. And I've failed a billion, billion times. <laughs> it's not about not failing. It's about failing and starting again. But it's also then finding someone to help you think what that word failure means. What was going on for you when you, inverted commas, failed? Because that to me is when I know for me when my feelings are getting too big and and I have to eat sort of thing. Um, so I just, yeah, that would be my piece of advice is start today. And if today is tomorrow, start today. Start today, <laughs> you know. Whenever your today is, start. Yeah. Uh, Lovely. I, I really like that. Yeah, that's good. And I guess too, what you mentioned before, it, it's a bit like, um, you know, getting knocked down seven times so long as you get up eight. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, you know, people might be listening to me and going, oh God, she's got it together and whatever. No, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just a normal person and I still have my emotional eating times and and you know, and and I I use them now. I use my failures to work out okay what was going on. And there's always really good reasons. 
And then it just gives me a little bit of time to renew those reasons and see if I can do something different and, you know, but we're all human and that's just, it's working with that humanness that, that yeah, I say start today. Love and if, it. And if today is your, tomorrow is your today, start today. You know? Love it, love it. That's, yeah, that's very good. Thank you for sharing your, even your own personal vulnerabilities to all of this sorts of thing that, yeah, that, you know, we are all human. We're all trying to be perfect. So, so Kate, how can people find you if they're wanting to learn more about you and what, um, what you do with your consultations, with running workshops? Have you got a website or something that people can refer to? I do, I do. Yes, I have a website that's, www.katereigns.com.au and yeah, I'd love people to visit me on the website and it's got all the courses there. I have free webinars that I offer each month that are starting on February the 25th and a couple of live workshops, one coming up in April. I also don't, I don't wait, I, I, I don't do anything in what I call the first term of the year, Audra, because I find people are just burnt out after Christmas, way up until after Easter. And it's sort of like people want to have their Easter eggs with a bit of freedom. They think I'm going to tell them <laughs> they can't have Easter eggs. That's not the, that's not what I do. Mm. But yeah, so I've got live workshops and courses starting in April. Um, but they can get all that information on the website and my phone number's there as well uh, if anybody wants to contact me. Love to hear from them, really would. Fantastic. That's great. Well, thank you so, so very much, Kate. I've learned so much from you today. And as I'm sure our listeners have, you know, enjoyed listening to you as well. So thank you very much for joining us. Oh, Audra, it's been my pleasure. And I love the work you're doing. And to all the shift workers out there, yeah, be gentle. Take care. <laughs> very good advice. Very good advice. <laughs> Thanks, Kate. So, okay. so that's it for today's edition of the Healthy Shift Worker Podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback. And there are many ways you can do this via my Facebook page, The Healthy Shift Worker, through my website, healthyshiftworker.com, or you can visit The Wellness Couch at thewellnesscouch.com and leave a comment there. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to share it with other shift workers who you think may benefit and you can who can... You can also leave us a five-star rating in the iTunes store, which will help me to spread the healthy shift worker message to shift workers and organizations all around the world. If you'd like access to more free resources, including my newsletter, just visit my website, healthyshiftworker.com, and you can enter your name and email address. So thanks again so much for tuning in and listening. Until next time, may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be, despite working 24-7. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.